This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I'm here with Rob. Rob's on the phone. We are still being distant. And it is Sunday evening at around 8. And Rob, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Another uh, great, great time to get on the pod. You know, I was telling you, I'm moving apartments next weekend. So it's been a exciting. long day of packing. So this is like my de-stress now is to hop <laughs> on the podcast and talk some sports. Talk some sports. There's not... Like once, so we didn't do a podcast last week because there wasn't a lot of UVA stuff, and there was a lot of other things about conferences canceling their seasons. Pac-12, Big Ten. We'll talk about that later, but we wanted to see if the ACC was going to say anything, and they didn't end up really saying anything at all. So we, uh, except for that, they're still planning on having a season. So we're going to talk about that later, but we didn't want to put out a podcast and then the next day the ACC cancels the season. So. We uh, we just held off, but now it seems like they're pretty much going to try and go full steam ahead. And before we get into all that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet to bet on. Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expensive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds on up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Alright, so before we get into like the general kind of the pulse of college football at this time. Let's just talk about UVA football because UVA football is back. We are in training camp right now, and Rob has got his finger on all the news. Rob, I think, you know, as much as you, it's hard to get stuff out of training camp, especially because, you know, uh, we, we don't have media access or anything like that. But what are some things that you've uh, seen or read or heard about training camp so far for UVA? Yeah, man, like you said, we're a week in a training camp right now. And yeah, also, like you said, you know, really, <laughs> there's not much media availability. You know, normally the first couple, I think the media would normally get th- access to three practices, normally all in the first week, maybe one in the second week um, to cover the team. And, you know, media just doesn't have access this year. They're just taking it off limits because of uh, COVID, which you know, totally get, but it certainly limits our exposure a little bit to what we can see. Now, what we can see is the videos that the team puts out and Jeff White. We're lucky we have Jeff White, who's obviously a terrific reporter, you know, working for the team and getting that exclusive access. So, you know, it's really taking what Jeff White gives us and cobbling together what we can get on the videos. And, you know, it seems like an exciting first week of practice, you know, still no pads. So it's tough to say too much, but just looking at the videos, you know, you can tell it looks like Brennan Armstrong kind of as expected is getting all the reps with the number one team on offense. So, you know, through the first week of camp, I think it's safe to say Brennan Armstrong is your starting quarterback. You know, another thing you can see through the videos is when you see Brennan playing, you know, who's generally the offensive line and not to say the offensive line is going to be a major strength necessarily, 
but there's certainly more depth there. It's a pretty um, experienced group. Now, looking at what we can piece together, it looks like kind of uh, right to left. We're looking at Rankinsmeyer, Nelson, Oluwatimi, uh, or sorry, that's left to right. But it looks like Rankinsmeyer has been working at right at left tackle, okay. Nelson at guard, Oluwatimi at center, Blazer is the other guard, and Swoboda uh, looking right now like the starter at right tackle. You know, receivers, it looks like Rashawn Henry, the transfer, is getting a lot of run. Um, and, you know, the big story that Jeff put Jeff White put out is kind of just the progress of Ryan Swoboda. Apparently, he's made tremendous gains this offseason, a lot stronger. You know, there's been rumors all offseason about him, uh, you know, actually getting probably the most NFL interest out of a lot of these linemen. Interesting. So, yeah, it is really interesting. So you're able to put the offense together a little bit. The defense is a little bit more uh, fluid. You know, one of the big battles we'll be talking about is who's the corner starting opposite uh, Grant. You know, how is Darius Braden coming back from his ACL injury? You know, we can see he's back on the practice field, although he's wearing a brace. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like Brendan Nelson is back after his injury last year. So we're able to start putting some things together. We're seeing the transfers come out for the first time, the two JNU guys, because they had to quarantine. So they're now out there. So, you know, it's literally, it's, you know, just putting pieces together here and seeing what we can make sense of out of these videos and the bits we're getting from Jeff White. Yeah, so that's interesting that, you know, we don't have any really sense, but I think it's, I think we expected this, but that, you know, the transfer Thompson from Mississippi State is with the second team right now and Armstrong is with the first team. Do you, do you think that we're going to get some, you know, different looks? Maybe we see Thompson with the first team some, or do you think it's mostly going to be Armstrong, you know, considering the, the, you know, time and that they have? Yeah, you know, it's that's certainly the talk of the message boards right now. It's, you know, Armstrong was, you know, has been in the system for two and a half years now. Um, and Thompson's coming in. This It's really his first summer in the system. You know, Thompson came from kind of a heralded high school background, you know, Louisiana player of the year, you know, pretty high end four star recruit, top 100 guy. But, you know, he while he saw some time at Mississippi State, he never won the starting job outright. You know, it looks like he has a bit of a slower um, release on the football. Um, you know, he certainly seems to have struggled with accuracy issues when he was at Mississippi State. Um, and, you know, looking at Brennan Armstrong, he's kind of the opposite. You know, most of what we've seen him do, with a few exceptions, but most of what we've seen him do is, you know, release the ball quickly and, you know, focus on more of the shorter to intermediate throws. So I think Brennan's clearly in the lead here. Um, but Thompson, you know, what caught a lot of people's eyes was the highlight that the football team put out of Thompson just racing down the sideline. I mean, Thompson clearly has tremendous speed mm -hmm. and, you know, that's, that's what a lot of people are talking about is, you know, Armstrong's mobile, but more in kind of the Tim Tebow run you over sense, not necessarily in the fly past you, like it looks like Thompson is. Yeah. So will there be packages for Thompson? You know, probably the key with that is you still have to have the passing threat. It can't just be he's coming in and running because that'll give it away. There still mm -hmm. needs to be a passing threat. So I'll be curious to see how that develops. And I think one thing that'll kind of give us a hint to where this quarterback battle is, is actually coming out later tonight. You know, like Dustin said, we're recording Sunday evening. Um, later tonight, UVA football is going to announce the first um, numbered or the first number draft or whatever they call it. The most exciting the time of the year. Yeah, where the players, the first round of players will get to select their jersey numbers. Um, by the way, I'm very curious to see who chooses the number zero. That's something I'm kind of excited to see. Yeah. Um, but, you know, depending on how high Brennan Armstrong goes, I think will be a good indicator of how firm a grasp he has on this QB job. Mm -hmm. You know, if it comes out and Brennan Armstrong was a top five number pick, then I think we have a pretty good idea that, hey, Brennan Armstrong is going to be the starting quarterback. But and, you know, there's no reason I think Brennan hasn't been a great leader, hasn't been or won't be up near the top. But, you know, if maybe Brennan's a little farther down, then maybe the quarterback room's a bit more open than we anticipate. You know, like I said, we're just piecing together, you know, little bits of news and little video clips as best we can. So I think that could give us an indication of how firm a grasp Brennan has on this quarterback job. Yeah, I agree. I have a clarifying question about the number draft. 
I I am under the assumption that the players choose like the first one. Is that right? And the coaches do the rest? So my understanding of it is that the players essentially submit ballots of, you know, who they think should select their numbers first. Okay. My understanding is that the players decide the order. Okay. All right. But um, because you know, I... last year was Reed Kellum, of all people, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool to see him. And he stuck with his 45, which is the number he had worn all this time. Yeah. And, you know, I because, you know, in the past, it's not always been like, necessarily the best player or the you know the the strongest player so i think it's interesting who who might get chosen tonight for that but also players have to pass a physical before they are allowed to choose their numbers right yeah and you know there's another kind of way we can figure out how this number thing works is looking at um coach Griswold's strength and conditioning program Mm -hmm. you know that's a pretty good indication of how players have progressed and last year one of the big stories was how you know when we were all talking about Noah Taylor just camp rumbling so he's going to be a big player and he ended up being a big player for us but Noah Taylor skipped one of the workout levels so I forget he went he skipped a level and got to the second highest I forget the jersey colors offhand Mm -hmm. but you know, another player who did that this year, this offseason, we found out this week, was Ryan Swoboda. Ryan mm-hmm. Swoboda skipped a level and went two levels up. So, you know, we're getting rumblings of that. You know, I know, I think black shirts is the highest level. Yeah, and I, I think, think right so. now on I the team, so. the only two black shirts we have are Nick Grant and Richard Burney. Mm-hmm. So Nick Grant being a fifth-year guy, Richard Burney being a sixth-year guy. So, you know, I would expect them to be pretty high up there. And Nick Grant was, I think, the second jersey pick last year if i remember correctly and he ended up going with the number one so you know that's another kind of area where we get a little indication of kind of who are players on the rise or players we should be keeping our eyes out for yeah that's that's always a good thing to do and i think that'll be interesting you know as the week week and the weeks go on you know before the season what numbers people choose and you know how they how they get those numbers. I think it's always funny when, you know, at the beginning of the season where you don't always have all the players with their numbers, you know, you have people standing on the sidelines with some random number like, you know, 48 or something and <laughs> and no name on their jersey. And so you know that those players haven't passed their physical yet or haven't, you know, gotten chosen for their jersey draft. But I'm excited to see who goes first. Do you have any bets? about who goes first. If you had to put a bet on betonline.ag, <laughs> who would you bet to have the first choice in the jersey draft? Man, uh, I don't know. You know, for the first three years of it, it was Jordan Ellis, and then last year was Reed Kellum. So we really don't have a huge precedent of how this will play out. You know, I would say Nick Grant is definitely up there. Um, you would think Richard Bernie as well. And as far as just kind of senior leaders, you know, the offense's leader is really Terrell Janna, and the defense's leader, by all accounts, is really Charles Snowden. So I think, you know, any of those four guys, that's where I'd put my money. But again, I don't think anyone saw Reed Kellum coming last year. You know, walk on, uh, you know, more of the quarterback on the sideline, kind of like a Lindell Stone role, but more on defense. So no one saw that coming. So who knows? Maybe we'll get surprised. But if I had to guess, I'd say Bernie, Grant, uh, Snowden, or Jana, one of those four. Let's do an over-under. Where do you think Brennan Armstrong is going to be chosen? Is it over 5.5 or under 5.5? Give me... I'll say over. I'll say he goes probably somewhere in that 6 to 10 range. Okay. Um, you know, the thing with Brennan is that I think he'll absolutely be near the top. But even though it seems like he's been around forever, and he kind of has two and a half years, he's still technically an underclassman. You know, he'll be a redshirt sophomore. He's still, he could be UVA's first three-year starter at quarterback in almost mm-hmm. 20 years if this works out the way the succession planning is kind of supposed to, if you will. Yeah. So give me, I'll say Brennan ends up between number six and 10. Okay. But that that's my guess. What are you thinking? Um, I might, I might take the under because I think he, I mean, just from looking at some pictures of him from like last year, he looks jacked. And I think that he's got the kind of temperament to be a good leader. 
in the locker room. You know, he's been around. This is going to be his third year in the program. Uh, he was under Bryce Perkins for the past two years, uh, filled in nicely when when he needed to. You know, as we, you can think back to certain drives in games where he actually played and played well. And I, I think that he can make a step. But I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes and uh, what number he chooses. Does he stick with 10 or does he go with, you know, another another number? I think that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, that's like always the fun part for me is the guys that switch numbers. And, uh-huh. You know, I remember like last year it threw me off so much because like Jordan Mack choosing number four because uh-huh. like four was smoke and then it was a llama day. So like these dynamic skill position players, then it's like, oh, four is a linebacker now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, who is anyone going to really jump into the number three? You know, Bryce Perkins was really excited to take number three after Quinn Blaney had left. And mm-hmm. Quinn was really excited for Perkins, but. Is anyone going to be jumping in to number three? You know, just the shoes that Bryce left are huge to fill. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I always think it's really interesting. And, you know, tradition tells us that players are going to take the low numbers first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the exception of maybe an offensive lineman, it looks, you know, normally like one through 20 go fast. Yeah. So it'll be fun to see how that plays out. Yeah. Last year, just looking at the numbers in the first you know, 36 players to select their jerseys, one through 11 were all chosen. And then it, 12 was skipped. It went to 13, 14, 15, 16, and then 21, 22, 27, 28, 29, 31, 32, 33, 34, 44, 45, 54, 56, 58, 64, 69, 79, 81, 93, 91, and 94. So the de- the lower numbers are definitely much more popular. And after around you know, 22, it really gets spread out pretty good um, throughout all those numbers. But yeah, it'll be exciting to see. Um, Do you think it's likely that Brennan chooses 98 again? He goes back to to the old 98. (laughs) I don't think so. I remember even after his first year, when everyone thought it was so cool that he was wearing 98, he's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I want a quarterback number. (laughs) (laughs) He got one. Yeah. Um, But one thing I will say, you know, we skipped the number 12. We skipped the number 12 because the number 12 is retired at UVA. Right. So really, jersey selections, I guess you said, what, 1 through 17 were all yeah. selected? 16, so 1 through 16, yeah. 1 through 16. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah. that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. And, you know, while we're talking about all this football stuff with camp and everything, the question that keeps coming up is, are we actually going to play – a season, you know, is this going to be able to happen? Because we already have two conferences who have uh, canceled their seasons completely, being the Pac-12 and also the Big Ten. So, Rob, just kind of right off the bat, how are you feeling like right now about the football season, the college football season happening, and UVA's chances of playing in that season? Yeah, you know, it's crazy we're having this conversation kind of after our last podcast. I think you and I were both pretty convinced that the season wasn't going to happen, especially last week. I mean, last week seems like forever ago. I mean, like everything that happened with, you know, the conferences going back and forth and the Big Ten canceling and then saying, no, we're not canceling, but actually we are. And the Pac-12 decision shortly following. Um, But by all accounts, you know, Big 12, uh, SEC and ACC are standing firm and saying, you know, we're going to play until we have any indication that we absolutely can't. So I don't know. To me, I still put it more likely than not that the season will not happen. Um, But at the same time, you know, the momentum is certainly trending towards, hey, it looks like this can happen. And, you know, the SEC is going to have a big reveal tomorrow on Monday of what their schedule is. You know, the ACC teams, UVA included, are struggling right now, a lot of them to fill that non-conference spot, which we can talk about UVA in that in a second. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they're suddenly, they're putting everything together to make it work. And, you know, the idea that the bubble might be the safest place for these players, you know, I think there is some merit to that. I think where it loses a bit of credibility is these guys aren't going to be in their bubble forever. You know, eventually they are going to be interacting and mixed with students on campus you know across these schools so the bubble idea is going to kind of go away here pretty soon once students arrive but Mm -hmm. 
you know, there's a lot of credibility to what they're saying. And, you know, maybe it can hold up when students are on campus. Maybe it can't, but that's the biggest wild card here. So I, I still lean more toward the idea that it probably won't happen, that when students get on campus, things are going to get a bit dicier, but they're certainly trying to make it happen. Um, what do you think? Do you think they're will ultimately be a season well you know at this point they're really trying their best to make it happen and they they seem really really convinced that the ACC and UVA and uh, especially the SEC and the Big 12 I think that they're even more you know convinced that this is going to happen you know just considering the kind of teams that are in those conferences you know you think about LSU Alabama Oklahoma Texas those kind of schools you know that football is kind of like their life in the fall and I think, you know, for the ACC, that would be a huge blow. But for them, it's almost like more, you know, I I feel like for them, they're going to do almost everything possible to have a season, uh, even if there's no fans, even if there's no like bowl games or anything. You know, I think that they're trying to have a season uh, no matter what. Now, the, the problem is like the schools have to work together in order to get it to happen. So, for example, like all the schools in the ACC have basically got to trust each other that they're going to be able to stay distant, they're going to take precautions, and they're going to do everything that they need to do in order to stay healthy. And it seems like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Bronco came out and told everyone in a very detailed manner what UVA football was doing in order to keep people safe. And, you know, they have like different colored bands that they have to get every day after they get a test. They have they aren't allowed in somewhere if they don't have the right colored band on. They get the food delivered to their to their dorms. They're not allowed to go out at all after a certain time. So it, there's just a lot going on, and I think it takes a lot to be able to trust that other schools are going to be doing that as well and not covering up for their players. Yeah, and, you know, watching Hard Knocks this past week, um, you know, this year it's highlighting the L.A. teams, the Rams and the Chargers. But you can see the way, you know, that was really good for me, at least, to see the way that football teams are implementing the social distancing. Because we've heard Bronco talk about it, but to kind of see it up close and personal, you know, there is a model. And I think there's a way it can be successful. And, you know, by all accounts, it looks like the NFL season is going to happen. You know, we already see the NBA, NHL. Um, soccer leagues, all that happening. But really the question is how, how firm can you hold your grasp on this? You know, the social distancing, the protocols, all that when students are on campus. And that's really, I think what differentiates so much the college and the NFL sports and, or the college and the pro sports. And, you know, it might reach a point where, you know, a lot of schools are starting with limited number of students on campus and, you know, God forbid they have to send everyone home, but, you know, maybe if that becomes what happens, you know, that might actually make things safer for the football players and the other fall athletes. So there's that dynamic at play too. So there is a model. It's just, you know, can it be executed at a college level? And we just really won't know until the students arrive on campus, which for me still makes me a little skeptical of everything that's happening. But you know, these schools are so financially motivated to make this happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even from a competitive standpoint, you know, looking at recruiting, looking at visibility, you know, looking at revenue to drive, you know, what you want to do in your program and the university, you know, if the ACC, SEC, Big 12, if those guys play, they put themselves at a tremendous step up above the Big 10 and Pac-12 peers that aren't going to play this year. So, I mean, there's a huge drive to just, from a competitive standpoint, beat these other conferences. So, I mean, they're certainly going to try to do as much as they can to make this happen. And it's really just becomes a feasibility issue. And I guess we're going to find out pretty soon, you know, if they're, they're going to cancel it, it's going to have to be, you know, you would think within the next week or two, but I mean, that's what we said last month too. So I don't know. It's, it's just still so dynamic and evolving that you're just learning as you go. Well, you know what you brought up about other schools and like when the students come back, you know, UNC has already had like four clusters of, COVID-19 breakouts on their campus and so it's super difficult when you have all these young people and you know you and I are we we used to do this all the time it's like you see people when you go back to school it's like that's what you do um you don't want you don't go to school to be like cooped up in your room 
you want to be interacting with other people, you want to be doing that. And of course, during this time, it's not safe to do that, unfortunately. Um, my brother just moved into William & Mary, and they had to, I, I know a lot of schools are doing this, but at William & Mary, they had to take a COVID test, and they had to have a negative test before they went on campus. And the first day on move-in day, someone had already tested, you know, was there with a positive uh, case of coronavirus. So, you know, obviously it's not going to be 100% foolproof. And it, there's a lot of trust going into, you know, that these kids are going to be doing what they need to do in order to keep other people safe. Um, I, I talk about trust and I talk about, you know, the football players a lot because a couple of weeks ago, FS, or actually not weeks, a couple of days ago, the FSU wide receivers uh, were tweeting and writing letters about how the football program was lying to people about their uh, coronavirus testing uh, and how many people had coronavirus. So this was really interesting. Rob, did you read anything about this? I, I read a little bit about it, but I think you definitely got into more of the details than I did. I, um, yeah. So definitely welcome your thoughts here. So there is a there's a wide receiver on FSU. His name is Warren Thompson. He wrote an open letter, posted it on his Instagram and Twitter, and he said that their leadership is based off an I mentality, uh, that they're only looking at their futures rather than their athletes' futures. Uh, he said that the leadership is not uh, telling the truth about their testing and so the thing about Warren Thompson is that he's not a high up player. He had 91 yards receiving last year. He's a sophomore, not a big name, but Florida State does have some big name receivers, um, specifically Tamori and Terry, who was their leading receiver last year, and DJ Matthews, who was their second leading receiver last year. DJ Matthews tweeted that he tested positive for COVID-19, but then the tweet was deleted, and he tweeted the next morning that there were the program was lying about COVID-19. And Tamori and Terry, their star wide receiver, uh, was retweeting all that stuff from DJ Matthews. So it just seems that there's a lot of uh, questions about Florida State's um, trustworthiness. Of course, their, their coach, Mike Norvell, he's in this first season, um, said that this is not true, but... You know, I, it's really difficult to say, like, what teams are going to do if they have positive cases. Because it, it's really difficult at that point. It's like, okay, well, who is that player interacted with? How many people have to quarantine? You lose practice time with that. It's a huge deal. So do you think teams – do you think we're going to hear more about this, like teams covering up uh, COVID cases? I mean, man, I hope not, but we've kind of already seen it, you know, just <laughs> with our guys just to the south of us at uh, Liberty. You know, Liberty, there's a lot of questions about their testing. You know, it came out this week. They're like, oh, well, we haven't had a positive test in like three weeks. But then it came out they hadn't tested anyone in like two weeks. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, <laughs> sure, I guess you're right, but you also haven't tested anyone. Um, so, I mean, that's a big question, you know for all these schools and, you know, specifically to tie it back to UVA, you know, UVA still has to fill this non-conference spot because BMI, the Southern Conference, the Southern Conference canceled their season, but they said, hey, to our members, you know, if you want to play some non-conference games, you can. And BMI essentially said, no, we're not going to play. So Virginia is looking to schedule a new opponent for their game. Now, you know, you would think Liberty might be an option. UVA has played them each of the past two years. They're in state. So whether they played in Charlottesville or at Liberty, you know, it would work. But Liberty has to meet the ACC testing guidelines. You know, I don't know the specifics of what the ACC testing guidelines are, but I'm certainly not confident that Liberty's going to meet those, especially after what we heard. And, you know, looking at some other options for that opponent, you know, some people have raised potentially army or Navy, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say the military academies, um, you know, probably would meet the ACC standards. I'd imagine they take that very seriously, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, with the tech game the next week, do you really want to play a triple option team the week before no. you play Virginia tech? No. You saw how bad that went with Navy a few years ago. So yeah, I mean, 
So all of this comes into play, you know, as, as UVA is looking to schedule its non-conference game. And then now we're looking in conference, you know, UVA plays Florida State. So, you know, there's that in there as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's certainly huge trust issues at play. And it all comes back to, you know, there's really just not a guiding um, authority in college football. You know, college football is run by the conferences. You know, they put out the NCAA puts out the championships. But the decision to play versus not play comes down to the conferences, which is why we're seeing the different approaches across the country. So, you know, there's really no guiding hand here. And this is something that the conferences and even the individual schools are going to have to make on their own. Well, right. And, you know, there's already several other ACC schools that have Liberty scheduled. You know, Virginia Tech has Liberty scheduled. NC State has Liberty scheduled. There's some other teams that are looking to schedule Liberty because they are independent and they are still playing. But Liberty, you know, doesn't have a testing <laughs> regiment at all. <laughs> and NC State actually, you know, who's who's set to play them, said that they're not going to play them unless Liberty um, tests to the ACC standards. Um, because the ACC does have testing protocol standards. And so NC State's going to try and force their way out of that game if they don't do that. You know, because the players are also concerned about you know, catching this virus. Um, a lot of players at Syracuse have sat out of practice uh, several times already because they are dissatisfied with the amount of testing that is going on at Syracuse. And I just think it's really interesting how, you know, there's so many different things happening and there's not one way that everyone is doing, uh, you know, safe practices and testing and all that kind of stuff. I just feel like it would be a lot easier if the NCAA came out and said, this is what you have to do if you want to play. And basically, the NCAA hasn't said anything about playing, about um, testing, except for the fact that there's not going to be a national championship game this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... You know, they've canceled some championships at the Division Two and Division Three level, but, you know, that's really what they can do. They can, they have, you know, kind of quote-unquote authority over the championships of the sports, but that's pretty much it. And outside of that, it's up to the schools and the conferences. Yeah, I just, I just feel like they could offer suggestions instead of just sitting there letting everyone do their own thing because it would be so much easier if we if we knew that liberty was testing in a way that would make um our players feel safe and right now they're not doing that so i think it's just you know it'll be interesting to see if we fill that fill that game with someone or if we just kind of let it go and we play tech in week two which i don't feel great about i would prefer to have a warm-up game but you know, it is what it is at this point, and at, we might not find a, a suitable non-conference opponent for that week. Yeah, that was going to be the question I was going to ask you, actually. Would be, would you rather play an opponent before you play Virginia Tech, or do you want to open with Virginia Tech? And I'm the same way. I want to play someone. I don't want to play a triple option. No, team, I don't want to play Army. I definitely want to play someone before I play Virginia Tech. No, I would. I would for sure prefer to play someone like i thought vmi was a great uh matchup oh, because because it was that. like not a good team uh <laughs> could have you know they we've had we have history with them being not a good team but you know they're not a great team we we are clearly much better than them we should have been able to play our starters get them some good minutes and then sit them rest them uh for the next week's game but now it's like you know they don't even I don't want people going into the tech game with no game action. You know, they're not up to game speed. There's just a like a adjustment period that players need to go through uh to get back in that to that mindset of game speed and, you know, playing in a game. And I don't want Virginia Tech to be that first game. I would much prefer to play someone else, like a VMI. Um but unfortunately, yeah. we can't have that. No, I mean, I agree 100%. Like, there's always nerves for our players in the first game, and then you amplify that against Virginia Tech. You know, I don't even care if it's like a quote-unquote 
good non-conference opponent. Like, if it was a Power 5 non-conference opponent, mm-hmm. I don't really care. Like, to me, this season, I don't want to say it's a wash because they're going to go out there and compete, but the season will always be remembered as, if it happens, it will always be remembered as the shortened coronavirus season. You know, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it's 100% there in my eyes. So, like, if we win the non-conference game, you know, obviously I want to win it, but even if it was against a better team, hypothetically, and we lost the non-conference game, you know, I'm really just concerned about conference play. So if that helps us get better for Virginia Tech, which I think it would, then I'm all for that. So I totally want, you know, the, and the I totally want to play a team before we play Virginia Tech. Pretty much my only criteria is I don't want it to be a triple option team. Yeah. That's pretty much my only criteria. Yeah, I, would, I, would I certainly want to play a team. Do you think there's any chance that we play a Big 12 team? You know, I actually don't know what the Big 12... Do you know if the Big 12 has a plus one type model like I, the ACC does? Or you know, I think, I think they do, but I'm not positive. Let me check Because I know the quick. SEC went fully conference, uh, which kind of like kind of nicks the idea. Like the whole idea of the ACC plus one model was to accommodate these like in-state rivalries. So Georgia could play Georgia Tech and Miami could play Florida. Mm-hmm. And, uh, teams like that and since the sec went conference only um then that kind of just was like all right sorry acc <laughs> we're just not going to play these games um but yeah i mean it was certainly if this was an option um i don't know if it is but yeah i mean i'd be fine playing a big 12 team yeah. again just as long as it's not triple option yeah so they they do have uh non-conference games um it looks like a lot of big 12 teams already have one so they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the Big Twelve. Nine out of ten already have a um, non-conference game in Week One. Um, okay. So it it would be unlikely, it seems. Gotcha. Yeah, but I mean, who knows? Like one of those teams might drop out, or their conference might tell them that they can't do it. Or something like that. So it just would be, you know, I think keeping it open is is fine. But of course, if we were to play them, they would have to come to Virginia to play. And I don't know, a lot of teams don't like, I mean, you could do a one for one, but, you know, having a team travel to Virginia, pretty far for most Big Big 12 schools in the middle of coronavirus, I think that's just a big ask. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think it's unlikely that that would happen. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's so i forget bronco had a funny quote about it this week it was like they he was they were like oh this just seems like such a fluid situation i think he used the word yeah i'd describe it more as like dysfunctional Mm -hmm. you know his quote is he was like yeah like pretty much my assistant coaches focus on football and i focus on the non-football you know i focus on social distancing at practice you know before each play the players on the sidelines have to put their arms down. And if they can touch anyone, then the play can't start yet. So he's like policing the sidelines, making sure people aren't doing that. He's policing, you know, the guidelines inside the MQ center. Um, and, you know, kind of their quote unquote bubble they're using for the players right now. So it's just so much at play, man. It's just so much. Yeah. Um, it's really, you know, it's honestly, I think dysfunctional might be an appropriate word and he certainly knows better than we do, but the rules are changing the rules and the expectations of, you know, uh, social distancing and whether or not there could be a season and how it works. I mean, it's changing every day. So it's just so much to process. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, as, as the weeks go forward and as we approach, you know, that first week of September, it's going to be interesting to see what these other conferences do. If we, if we have any football at all, you know, if, if they push it, try and push it back to the spring. I think it'll be weird if three of the Power 5 schools or conferences play in the fall and then the other two play in the spring. I think that'd be weird and definitely, you know, a huge asterisk next to the season and when in all the in all the books because you know, we just have no idea what's going to happen. Um I think that I think that with talking about football you know, we talked about the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 didn't just nix football for this season, but they canceled all fall sports uh, until 2021, 
which includes basketball. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. As Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing, there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. Bet Online has all the odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. So as sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline.ag. Visit BetOnline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. We are also sponsored by Manscaped. The Manscaped Lawn Mower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs at your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower or in the dark or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is perfect add-on for their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Shears 2.0 Nail Kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swampiness with natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. We won't judge you if you catch you sniffing yourself. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners off the show will get 20% off and free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. We're already seeing a shift in the way that basketball is going to be scheduled because we have um, we have teams that are not going to be able to play until 2021 from the Pac-12, which, of course, one of those teams might have been playing UVA um, in early November, or late November, excuse me, uh, in UCLA. They were going to be one of UVA's opponents in the Wooden Legacy uh, tournament. It was going to be UCLA, UVA, Kansas, and Georgetown. That's a loaded field, um, but unfortunately, UCLA is not going to be able to play in that. So, you know, Rob, how do you think this is going to be affecting, you know, basketball? Like, do we do we schedule? Does everyone push back to twenty twenty one, or do you think that some conferences will try and schedule some games and play early? Yeah, you know, basketball is still very fluid. I would say I'm pretty confident the season will happen, and you know, I'm pretty confident it will happen in a somewhat normal capacity, just because with the college football world, it amazes me. And, you know, it comes back against the total lack of leadership from the NCAA, Mm -hmm. but it amazes me how they weren't running through contingency scenarios, you know, the entire summer, you know, there was a quote, I I forget what conference it was. Maybe it was big 10. It was like last week was the first time they discussed the idea of like doing spring football, which was like, as soon as they canceled their season and you're just like, what like this is the first time you're talking about this so i think there's going to be a huge planning advantage that college basketball will have you know seeing the way the nba did it with the bubble seeing the way colleges are handling it with football now you know i think they'll be at a tremendous advantage in that sense just from the ability to plan ahead and um coordinate this now as far as the season itself you're right you know pac-12 really went out there you know not only did they cancel football you know they canceled all fall sports and they canceled all sports until at least january 1st so they threw a wrinkle in it now i'm sure if the wooden legacy tournament wants to happen you know they have right now georgetown kansas and virginia i'm sure they can find another team to take ucla spot Mm -hmm. you know if the season happens i would think they'd still want to play that tournament um so i think they could find another team there but as far as the rest of the college basketball world you know i think it'll happen um and i think it's a lot simpler to keep kind of the bubble idea in college basketball just because it's a much smaller team you know it's smaller venues these guys are traveling together they all live together pretty much they're not and you know they still have to go to classes and whatnot but there's just this much smaller group of them it's easier to keep them contained and you know basketball games quite frankly you know, they play 30 basketball games in a season, you know, they play 12 in a football season, you know, basketball is individual. It's not as physically demanding a sport from kind of the injury risk perspective. 
Um, so I think there's a lot of advantages basketball will have. I think in some capacity and maybe close to full capacity, the college basketball season will happen. But yeah, obviously the Pac-12 threw a wrench and kind of scheduling plans for those teams at least. But yeah, I mean, I'm curious what you're thinking right now, um, you know, with just the college basketball season in general. Dude, I agree with like everything you said, basically, because the the uh, college basketball conferences, you know, you think about you, you're including the Big East in there. You're including the ACC. Big Ten uh, is going to want some of that as well. You know, they're going to have a huge advantage because they're going to see all the mistakes that football has made. They're, we're going to see, you know, how football progresses. If are there going to be positive cases it are there going to be is there a way to do uh college basketball in a bubble kind of like the nba you know that's been a huge success even though it's, you know it's kind of weird there's no fans or anything it's been a tremendous success in terms of tv in terms of uh how the games have been played you know it's been fantastic basketball in the nba over the past couple of weeks you know can they replicate that on you know uh, either a conference basis or maybe they they have some sort of weird hybrid conference bubble, which would be really interesting as well. I think it's going to be great to see how the NBA does, you know, playoffs in the bubble. I think that the college basketball can learn from that as well. And, you know, I wouldn't, I frankly wouldn't be surprised if they push the college basketball season back to 2021 as well. You know, that would be kind of unfortunate because of, you know, UVA has a game scheduled against Villanova at MSG on uh Madison Square Garden on December 19th so uh, that would get pushed back but they could reschedule that hopefully I just think that you know there's a lot of options right now for college basketball and I think that um I'm sure that athletic directors are already looking ahead to that because if especially if football is going to be affected college basketball is um going to be affected as well and you know it's a lot easier to have, you know, a college basketball tournament in a bubble. So I think that March Madness is kind of the goal. It's like, can we have the NCAA basketball tournament? And to get there, we have to have some games. So let's try and play some games. My my guess would be that they might push it back until 2021 just to see how football season goes. Uh, maybe there's a, a vaccine or some better practices that the teams can use uh, to to stay distant and healthy. So yeah, my guess would be that they push it back until 2021. But um, especially because one conference has already done that, it might that might screw up some scheduling. So unless they go conference only, um, I don't. Yeah, I think they might push it back. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that will have to do with how the college football world in general um, handles it. You know, I think the idea of a spring season does have some legs, but there's certainly going to be some challenges to execute that, you know, syncing that up with the NFL draft. And if you are able to sync it up with the NFL draft, are players that are, you know, kind of surefire picks willing to take that risk to play in the season? My guess would be probably not. Um, but, you know, that we've seen some models put out there, you know, the athletic Stuart Mandel puts out a piece pretty much every week with just kind of like his updated thoughts on how you could execute a spring football season. Um, so there, there could be a way that could be handled, but, you know, certainly that could play, um, you know, into how they're trying to coordinate the college basketball schedule too, because if football moves to the spring, you know, I think it'd be in a shortened capacity, you know, They'd probably be a smaller schedule. You know, I don't know how it ultimately turn out, but, you know, if football ends up kind of in the spring too, you know, I'm sure they try to coordinate that with basketball as well. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, still a totally dynamic situation with how this will play out. Um, but yeah, I, I share your confidence, you know, with basketball happening in some form and a form that's maybe even closer to what we're used to certainly more close to what we're used to than what's going to happen with football i mean they could even they could even push it back until 2021 and have the have the the tournament in you know may or june um and that would certainly be weird and it might conflict with some other sports that are happening you know baseball um, is going on right then so is uh basketball you know that's when the playoffs usually are i don't know if they're gonna have an altered like an um, altered season next year because of that for the nba but 
you know, there's there's some que- there's a lot of questions out there and you know almost no answers. So kind of, kind of the norm for for sports talk, you know, these days is, you know, well, what happens if this if this happens? Well, I don't know. Um, so it'll be interesting over the next couple of weeks and months, and as football season goes on, to see uh, who who decides to play, who decides to sit, and what happens with college basketball. Rob, is there anything that you want to throw in uh, right at the last minute um, about football or basketball? Nah, nothing really even what we said, you know, I mean, it's just going to be continuing to follow the situation, man. And, you know, I'm really, really hopeful, you know, if we get NFL, I mean, it looks like we're going to get NFL football. You know, I think the bubble idea there isn't perfect, but I think it's workable. And, you know, having the visibility that the NFL has and, you know, the precedent of what the soccer leagues and what the NBA and NHL have done, I think are all beneficial. Um, But yeah, man, I... Even if in, in this kind of weird season, I just want college football so bad. Yeah. So I'm just fingers crossed. You know, I'm skeptical. I've said that for months, but, you know, I'm cheering for this to happen. And I really, really want to cheer this team on yeah. um, this Saturday. So just keep following that. What about you, man? I, I do too. I hope it happens. I'm, a, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see if it will happen. You know, the players want it to happen. It was really interesting to see, you know, a bunch of players, including Trevor Lawrence, uh, speak out about wanting to play and wanting to do this. You know, it, it gave a really good perspective about how, how the, how the players feel about it, not just what the, um, not just how the officials and the, you know, the athletic directors of the presidents of the schools feel about it. And I felt that they, especially Trevor Lawrence, had a really well put, you know, message uh, that he wrote on Twitter about, you know, how all these players, they're either going to be playing football or they might be at home somewhere where they're maybe more likely to get sick. So I think there was a great perspective. I think that it's interesting to see how the players kind of came together on that and, you know, I think it actually might have helped a little bit because the ACC didn't didn't cancel when the Pac-12 and the Big Ten did so and neither did the SEC but with that I think that's all that we have today thanks so much for listening this has been the guys and ties podcast make sure to follow us on Twitter at guys and ties pod make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at guys and ties pod go ahead and check out um, armchair media that's our podcasting host they've got a great bunch of great other podcasts about sports And make sure to follow us on iTunes and Spotify if you want to keep listening. We will be back with more news eventually when it happens. Until then, go Hoos. Go Hoos.